Welcome to the Super Nice Club's Nice Work Podcast. At the Super Nice Club, we're just doing our damnedest to make the world 10% nicer. And, uh, you know, we're super glad that you're here to help us get there by every means necessary. I'm your host, Todd Brilliant, and today, today we're joined by young professional baseball player, Jamie Smart. Uh, Jamie's baseball journey, you know, it might not be a long one. It's just a few years deep right now, but it's taken a lot of twists and turns as he's traveled all over the place in pursuit of the major leagues and also really in pursuit of, you know, meaning, wisdom, laughs, happiness, all the things that, that most of us pursue. A key part of our discussion revolves around not just baseball, but the mental health challenges faced by baseball players and, and, and other athletes. Theirs is a unique set of pressures, especially student athletes, and one that can not only clash against, but be exacerbated by what's often a subculture of machismo and an unhealthy type of stoicism. The good news is that more and more, the new generation of athletes, the younger generation, they're finding their voices and they're just talking more openly about their struggles, which is so damned important, especially during the COVID era. Jamie's also going to give us a blow-by-blow of his adventure so far in independent baseball. Uh, 10, I think, 10 teams since college. The grind is real, but it's also filled with lots of insights and great baseball stories. So if you're into baseball, like really into baseball, you'll love Jamie. We also talk about Jamie's stand-up comedy dreams. Baseball and comedy, it just, it fits. This is episode number 57. So here's some super nice 57s. Okay, 57 was my dad's favorite number. It's the atomic number for lanthanum, whatever that is. Looks like a super shiny metal rock. In the movie Contagion, the one that we're also living through right now, it's vaccine 57 that saves the monkey. In the amazing, amazing, amazing sci-fi show Firefly, there was a brigade named the 57th Overlanders. Um... In music, there's that song by John Mellencamp clone Bruce Springsteen called 57 Channels and Nothing On. <laughs> the Bruce Springsteen fans out there are so offended right now, right? Uh, just, just kidding. Just kidding. Sort of. Sort of not. All right. That's our 57s. Okay, ready? Turn off everything else, tune out the rest of the world, and drop in to nice work with Jamie Smart. Jamie, Jamie Smart, welcome to the Nice Work Podcast. Great to have you on. What's up? What are you doing? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm just uh, sitting in my childhood bedroom and, uh, yeah, got up for the morning. Excited to do this. Where Where is your childhood bedroom? Not like uh, where in the house. I'm sure it's down the hallway past the kitchen, but like yeah. where, in the, where in the world? It's in uh, San Ramon in the Bay Area. So East Bay, like 45 minutes outside of San Francisco. Yeah. So. So there you are, back in your, your – is that because COVID, right? Everybody's in their childhood bedrooms right now. I bet you like yeah. one out of five people listening to this are living in the bedroom they grew up in. <laughs> Probably. I'll, I'll blame COVID too. Yeah, we'll, we'll act like it's COVID. <laughs> that, that's why I'm here. Could it, could it also be this sort of uh, journeyman baseball career? <laughs> yeah, I think that plays a part too. <laughs> the money at the bottom is not, not very good. So, <laughs> well, there's no season right now. It just sucks. There's no minor league season. There's no independent league season, right? Is anybody yeah. going right now? Is there any baseball out there anywhere? Um, not really. I think big league camp is just starting up, but yeah. that's 
the top of the top. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. Not even minor leaguers are going right now. Yeah. And I, I heard they just reformulated or shuffled all the minor league teams or something. Did you hear about that? Yeah. But, well, they also like cut a ton of players. Like they, they used to have six or seven levels of minor leagues and now they, they only have four. So there's a lot of baseball players without jobs right now. So let's, let's, let's just, there's a lot to you and, you know, I want to get to that. Um, I want to get to your, your comedy aspirations as well, but let's just start in with your baseball. You went to LMU. That's, that's Lincoln Memorial University, right? Loyola Marymount. Oh, Loyola. I haven't heard of that one. I thought it was Lincoln Memorial. Yeah. Loyola Marymount. So that's another school. (laughs) You went to LMU and, uh, played baseball, first base, right field, anything else? Uh, no, that was pretty much it. First base, right field. What would happen if you went into left field? Would you just be lost? Like you wouldn't know how to play? Is it, is it that different? Pretty much. Yeah. I just would have no clue. Um, might be facing the wrong way. No, it's, (laughs) it's just more strategy, I guess. Like for me being right-handed going in to the gaps is a little better. And, uh, you don't need to be as fast. And especially at our college field, um, yeah. right field was easier. And I wasn't the most experienced outfielder. I was mainly first base my whole life. So so you're a right-handed first baseman. Is that a uh, rare thing? No, left-handed, actually. Oh, you're a lefty? Yeah. Oh, no, because you're a lefty, your right hand is, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah going I get to it. the gaps, it. it hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I like basketball. I love baseball, but, know. you know, I don't really understand all of the vagaries of which hand you have to be. Yeah, there's a... You, it's hard to be right-handed and play first base. Um, you can do it. It's it's not that big, but they do kind of prefer left-handed first basemen. So it's better for, like, pick tags and that kind of thing. But pretty much first base, all you got to do is hit for the most part. <laughs> right. So you went to LMU and then, oh man, this is, okay, here's how yeah, we're going to take a lot. people through. I know. Here's how we're going to take people through your, your post-college career. I want to do, I want to do a game. Let's play a game. Yeah. It's kind of called uh, highs and lows, or maybe right. we'll call it, maybe we'll call it home runs and strikeouts. It's kind of like, did you ever play um, Rose and Thorn when you were a kid? Like your parents would ask you, what was your day's rose and what was your thorn? Oh. We didn't, yeah. not that version, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like so that. we're going to play Rose and Thorn, highs and lows, home runs and strikeouts. I'm going to name the team. Okay. And you're going to give us some professional and personal highs and lows of each stop. All right. Alrighty. What do you good. think? Just do your best. All right. Yeah. So first of all, let's start with high school. What was your high school? Let's go all the way through it. We'll whip through it. Okay. So where I went to high school? Yeah. Yeah, Athenian. It's a tiny little... D5 school, Division 5 school in uh, Danville. Yeah, we had like 80 kids in my graduating class. and uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was t- the whole school was like 300 kids. And uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was like a kind of a more, it was a college prep, but more liberal arts, kind of hippy-dippy kind of stuff. So. So, so you had a terrible baseball team or did you guys? Yeah, actually... yeah we, we had an absolutely terrible baseball team. Like we had, we had to like, we had signups. We didn't even have tryouts. We just had okay. one. Yeah. All right. Um, so you crushed compared to your, your fellow players. You were like the man. Yeah. 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 All right. So what was your, what was that? What's the high and low of that experience? Um, the high was definitely just getting like such one-on-one attention with the coaches. Cause I was mm-hmm. blessed with just great coaches. We had some of like the top public school guys that had 
retired, come in, and it was like an all-star high school coaching staff and just developing the relationships with those guys. And uh, that was just so fun. And also, like, having hidden career 600 was pretty fun, too. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's beside the point. But the low, there definitely just wasn't as much of a sense of team camaraderie than mm-hmm. typical teams because like sports was not the main focus of that school um kids would do it for pe credit and that kind of thing and so it was a little tough to uh really get a team committed to baseball but i mean it was still a great experience were you frustrated then as a competitive baseball player a little bit did that kind of chap your hide um a little bit just because sometimes we just have we'd have to put whoever we had out there mm-hmm. so it's like there's a lot of games that went pretty long and that kind of thing and <laughs> we luckily we were pretty good for our league we we had a, enough good players but yeah definitely uh definitely chipped at the competitiveness of me a little bit all right then you did you scholarship at Loyola yeah yeah I got a nice. uh like 60 percent scholarship so nice. r- relatively right. big for baseball so so four years out there right yes yeah, highs and lows. Or home runs and home runs and strikeouts. What do you got? <laughs> home runs and strikeouts. Um, again, I think. Well, specific high was junior year. We won the championship of our conference, and that that team was supposed to be really bad. Like we were predicted to not go far that year. Even our own teammates were like down on the season beforehand. We got a lot of injuries in the fall before the season and we ended up having an outstanding year. We went like 38 and 18 and wow. won the conference on the very last day of the year. We had to sweep to win. And that was just a, such a fun and rewarding experience because we had put in so much work and just it, it, it everything came together that year. Um, that was probably the, definitely the high. high. Yeah. Because I can, our team I can relate. Our team was so close just because I can relate of all to that. Yeah. 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 No, let me, let me just, let me just, let me just interrupt you and make it about me yeah. for a second. Yeah. Do it. Um, Your podcast. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, it was, uh, back in the, back in the early two thousands, back in the Rochambeau days, Rochambeau winery, which you're yeah. familiar with having yeah. Yeah. lived out there on the property. Uh, we'll get to that. You know, we were the, we had a co-ed softball team and, uh, we were the, we were the Fisters, you know, okay. like rock. Okay. Yeah. yeah, the Fisters. You know, it's it's cool. It's it's uh, family friendly, and uh, we we were we went uh, we didn't win a game in our first season. We got clobbered by these very serious, and then so we were nothing was expected of us. And then the second season, we we won the championship. The Fisters took it all, and we dressed Big. up like leprechauns and clowns, and 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 we just uh, That's the way to do it. Yeah, we had a lot of fun against some pretty serious wine teams, and I, I'd say it's pretty similar to you know college division uh division no, one college ball wouldn't you say definitely. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, I yeah okay agree. cool so you see why i'm saying like i can relate no exactly okay I, got I it did. right cool all right so on <laughs> on to your strikeout what was the low point of your college ball career um definitely we'll, we'll get into some stuff i mean i i definitely struggled with some anxiety issues mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh just mental health challenges my senior year and uh that really took away from my personal experience a little bit, just not being able to be present and just enjoy the experience. 
but um, there was also some highs that came out of that too. Like it was a very arduous journey and definitely wouldn't wish it upon anyone, but Mm -hmm. the, uh, it was a very kind of soul searching thing I'd say. And uh, really caused me to reevaluate things. And uh, I don't know, just, it really developed. One thing that came out of that was me and my head coach got, extremely close after that. Cause he was, I had to let him know what was going on. Cause I'd lost like 20 pounds, like going into going back to school and just was really struggling and it was obvious. And he was just so supportive and especially just in the baseball sports world, there's a lot of like machoism and stigma around mental health. So that was just very nice to be able to get that support from my head coach and teammates. So it was a low, but yeah, definitely. That's, that's, that's huge that you, that you bring that up just because, you know, mental health, anxiety issues, whatever the mental health is in sports, man, it's, it does seem to come up again and again that whenever a player admits to having a battle or having had one, um, it's tough for them. You know, you get, you get part of the, the, the fan base that's just like, oh, you know, you're getting paid $8 million a year, buck up. Right. But anywhere else, any other career, if you say I've got I'm going through some mental health issues, people are supportive. Like, okay, go see the doctor. Let's get through this. But in sports, Mm -hmm. you know, all these men and women are just sort of expected to, like you said, macho through it. Right. There just doesn't seem to be as much empathy for athletes who are going through mental health issues. And man, I would just imagine that just being an athlete and having to having to succeed the pressures of, of daily success and, and daily failures, because even like the best players fail 70, 80% of the time, right? Yeah. Must just be a grind. Have you, do you pay extra close attention whenever you read these sports stories of, you know, the Kevin Loves and these other players that are, that are coming public with their struggles? Yeah, I definitely try to try to keep informed. I like the, the college stories too, because I can definitely mm-hmm. relate to that. There's a lot of college athletes, out there, but no, it really, it really helps. It's, it's definitely validating too, when you see other people sharing their story and being very candid and vulnerable about it, because mm-hmm. yeah, like you're saying, it is, it is, it can be very stigmatizing. People don't really necessarily give athletes the same slack and just the environment you're in is a lot more hard nose anyways. So I can't imagine going through college, like let's say, uh, you know, you're, you want to be an engineer and you're studying and the whole time you're going through college from freshman on, uh, your future professional, um, I mean, your career is being weighed and measured and tested in real time. It's not like you get to go through the four years, get all these skills behind you and then go out and join the workforce. No, you're, you're, you're batting average your, your on-base percentage, your fielding percentage, these, these ton of metrics that they have in baseball are being gauged. So while you're going through college, all through the academics, you're also going through these things uh, in real time that, that you know are going to affect your, your draft status. They're going to affect your ability to play ball in the future because this is what a lot of people, if you're playing D1 college ball, is it fair to say that a lot of those athletes do have their eyes on MLB? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, definitely right? not everyone, but at least yeah. 50% of the team is probably shooting for that at some yeah. point in their career. It's like, yeah, so it's very real. And that, like, even personally, when I was going 
through my stuff, it was like I was talking to these MLB teams. Like I was in contact with probably like 20 of them, and they have you fill out these like health questionnaires and that kind of thing, and they ask you about like personal issues and like I I didn't know what to say. Like I didn't want to like have a black mark or black check by my name because yeah oh I'm prescribed these certain antidepressants or whatever and so I had to I had to definitely keep that under wraps and even my coach told me like yeah just don't put it on the survey like that kind of thing so it it definitely added another layer to it just trying to strive for that next level and be able to like be comfortable with yourself and open about what you're going through do do you think that there because of the pressure, because you're going to college, and Loyola is a, a significant college, significant academic institute, so I'm sure mm-hmm. it wasn't easy, right, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, to go through. And then you have your, your your baseball grind. Do you think there were a lot of players out there in college that are struggling with anxiety and mental health issues that just don't admit it to anyone? I mean, do you think it's much more prevalent than, than people know? Um, I do. I do. I mean just from kind of opening up my senior year. Cause I did, I did go through a little bit of struggles my junior year as well, but I really kept that under wraps and that kind of thing. But my senior year, I was pretty open with things cause it was a lot more obvious. And uh, yeah, I would have teammates and that kind of thing reach out. And uh, yeah, I still keep in touch with a lot of teammates who kind of let me know, like maybe they weren't the same or as severe, but they're going through a lot of stuff. So just from personal experience, I think it's, it is a lot more prevalent than we think. It would be great if college coaches, high school coaches, even down into little league coaches, if there was some of this uh, was something that they could sort of preemptively address, keep an eye out for, you know, let student athletes know, hey, you're going to be undergoing a different type of pressure and parents as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, do you see that as something that's out there at all? Is there a movement toward that? Um. I think in general, there is pretty good support for student athletes. And I think the mental health is definitely lagging there a little bit, but it's with recent years. I mean, it's starting to catch up, I think. So there, there is a good sense of community within the athlete community. (laughs) No, it's great. Yeah. Some communities (laughs) don't have a great sense of community. Yeah. You know? Yeah. (laughs) So then you went, uh, I, you know, this is where we met. Yeah. You end up in wine country <laughs> at the Healdsburg, love, gotta love the name, the Prune Packers, all right, You're, which is a, a college summer league team. What do they call that? College summer league? Yeah, college summer ball. So, like, college when you're not playing, yeah. yeah, you just pretty much play two months, two to three months during the summer. It's like your off season for baseball, but you're playing pretty much every day. So, yeah, yeah. and it's a, is that wood bat? Yeah, that's wood bat. And, uh, yeah. Okay, so you're in Healdsburg, and you're and these college summer ball often uh, you stay with a host family. Mm-hmm. The players stay with host families all throughout the town, uh, and you kind of basically pay to play, right? Um. Yeah, it's like five hundred bucks, or at least the prune packers. Where some teams you don't pay. Yeah, every team you pretty much have to pay something. Yeah, you pay to play, but you're racking up stats and you're getting experience, and people pay attention. Yeah. MLB pays attention. These are these are yeah. highly regarded summer ball where a lot of future pros play. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So you end up in Healdsburg, and that's where your host family was. Your first host family with uh, 
uh, Nice Work podcast guest, Justice Brilliant. Yes. That was yeah, my okay. first ever host family, right out of high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where we met. Mm-hmm. Through my son, and that's where I've seen you play uh, on the Prune Packers. Prune Packers, great team. When you were out there, you guys didn't you win or came close to winning at all? Like each t- each year you were out there. Yeah, well, we actually my first year because I was there for like four five years. I was there every summer starting after I graduated high school, and we were kind of a scrub team in the beginning. Like our coach Joey, great guy, just took it over, and uh, he it was it was really cool. I was like a part of the whole growth of that team. Mm-hmm. It was awesome to be there from the beginning when we were just playing like the Santa Rosa Rosebuds, like just like a men's league team, that kind of thing. And then by the end we were in the CCL, which is like one of the top summer ball leagues for college in in the country. So, and we were in the championship for that in my last year there. So. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the top, top 10, top eight, something teams recognized as uh, in CCL, the, the, as an organization, the Prune Packers. Oh, yeah, we were. Yeah. Yeah, we were in the CCL. We were like top two, top three. So. Yeah. Uh, so uh, highs and lows in your Prune Packers days? Hmm. Honestly, not to be pandering here, but just living with justice and being able to be on that property was probably one of the uh, cool experiences. I'd like every summer, my coaches were trying to place me other places and I just loved Healdsburg and the coach and being there. So probably one of the highs was being able to spend lots of my summer out just in beautiful wine country. And yeah, that's be high for yeah. anybody, man. Yeah, absolutely. Get to play baseball and hang out in wine country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any lows besides losses? Do you have mm-hmm. any professional lows out there? Honestly, that was a pretty fun time. I think the, the one low maybe is after my junior year, I uh, took two weeks off in the middle of the season and uh, I ended up having like an outstanding year, but I wasn't able to be uh, like nominated for any uh, all American awards for summer ball because I, I didn't, I like just barely missed the threshold for minimum games played. So that might be like a professional low or as like, I mean, it was fun. It was a good two weeks, and it was a great experience to be able to do some traveling during that time. But, yeah, taking those two weeks off, probably, in hindsight, not the best professional move. (laughs) So you finished Loyola. You're playing Prune Packers at the same time. Um, You ended up not getting drafted, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that was a – yeah, definitely a – Mm-hmm. A low because yeah. you had the potential to get drafted and people, I, I get it. I was there. Yeah. Um, you're better than some of the people that got drafted and it's just a bitter pill to swallow, right? Yeah. Sometimes. It's a tough, yeah. it's a tough sport. Yeah, it is ruthless. Uh, so then you had two days from what I can tell in baseballreference.com. Yep. <laughs> you had two days in Winnipeg with yeah. 48 hours with the gold eyes of the American Association. Is there anything out of those 48 hours? Is there a rose and thorn there? yes there there is that was i mean it was my first like professional team so Mm -hmm. if i ever make it they'll get to say i played for them and i was the first (laughs) no but um yeah it was it was a great experience it was it was crazy though It, it was a rude awakening to minor league baseball and independent league baseball because they called me up i had like two days to get there they bought me a plane ticket, flew out to Winnipeg, 
I showed up, I had like a red eye flight, get like a two hour nap on the, in the hotel. And then I show up to the field and they're like, all right, you're playing tonight. Like, here you go. So I'm just like on very little sleep, like, all right, let's go. And first game ended up in the 10th. I got like a game tying single actually. And that was my mm-hmm. first ever like professional hit. And that was definitely the high. I was like, okay, let's do it. Like, and we were playing one of the best teams in the league. And this was a very respected league amongst like minor leagues. So yeah. I was pumped. And then the next game, get another hit, two RBIs. I'm feeling juiced about it. And then uh, we're about to go on a road trip. And I go back to the hotel, take a little nap. And I uh, look at my phone. And it's a text message from the coach and this is the low. And he's like, Hey, sorry, we, uh, we're going to release you. Like we just picked up a guy from, uh, like it was a double a guy, like a 28 year old double a guy that just got released. And he's like, right. Sorry. Like, thanks. But just, I got pretty much fired by text after two games where I played pretty well. And (laughs) that was definitely uh, like after all the kind of trials and tribulations of, not getting drafted and then trying to figure out whether I want to keep playing all this stuff. And then having like the high of like, okay, I just signed and now I'm doing well to, all right, that's it. You're done. That was like very, very humbling to say the least. Like yeah. it was, it was tough. Oh, that's, that's, that's just gotta be, it's gotta be the hardest thing. It's gotta yeah. be the hardest thing to be, so high up and then so far down so quickly. Yeah. You, you got 48 hours, right? Yeah. Of whiplash. Yeah. So then how much longer before you went to the Santa Fe Fuego? Uh, that was... Picos League. That was pretty much almost right away because I, I was lucky enough to have a contact that was pretty well-known in indie ball. He knew my college coach, so that was the connection there. But I got... They flew me back home got home, was home for like three days. And he's like, Hey, head out to Santa Fe. So I'm like, okay, like just on to the next step. Like, yeah, there's definitely uh, not a lot of time for uh, sulking when it comes to the minor league baseball grind. So just kind of had to suck it up and head out to Santa Fe. Which and was just a to start getting league. used to that grind. Yeah. yeah. So real quick, the uh, high and low of the uh, Fuego. High and low of the Fuego. Um, low was definitely getting paid $20 the whole time I was there for like two weeks. <laughs> like it was, it was like a, it was a joke, honestly, the, the league. Did they cut you a, did they cut you a $20 check or did coach just like no. peel off a couple fives and a 10 as you yeah, were Yeah, it was out? like the way they paid us is if we hit a homer, they would like send a hat around the stands and maybe the 15 fans we had would maybe put in a dollar or. Five, oh, you're 20. kidding me! <laughs> That's literally how we. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. So fans are, are 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 totally motivated for you to not hit home runs, right? Like, yeah. Oh, fuck another home run. I don't want to. Uh, exactly. Oh. Exactly. Shit. So that was that was the low, the high. It was fun. Like it was it was not like professional baseball, like to say the least. Not to disrespect that league, but it just wasn't like talent level or anything but i mean it was a place to play while i had nothing going on and uh i got to have a lot of fun with it and i just enjoyed myself when i was out there and it wasn't too serious so that was the high of it and you were the fuego 
Yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. Where the yeah. Santa Fe Fuego. Cool Plus, name. Santa Fe is beautiful. Yeah, it was nice to get out there. It's, it's a pretty place to be. All right, so you 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 jump back to the pros, the American Association, with the Lincoln Salt Dogs. Yes. These are all such great names, by the way. The yeah. Prune Packers, the Gold Eyes, the Salt Dogs. Yeah. It's, uh, you know. It's um, pretty creative. Adjective noun, adjective noun. The Fuego, <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of. Yeah. Huh. Nah, not quite there. But yeah. so you're at the Salt Dogs. Uh, let's. Is that Lincoln, Nebraska? Where is that? Yeah, Lincoln, Nebraska. Okay, okay. So you bounce from Winnipeg to Santa Fe to Lincoln, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened in Lincoln? What was what was cool there? Um, so yeah, that's back in the same league as Winnipeg, and that's like pretty much one of the top premier indie ball leagues. So I was like back in real baseball. Like we're playing a big stadium, in front of thousands of people. That was cool. And uh, yeah, I was just filling in there for a guy who uh, was like the three-hole hitter, like one of the best players on his team. He was like in his 30s, like had already been released and was kind of just playing for fun. But uh, he uh, yeah, got hamstring pulled. The, that was actually the contact that I had. He called me up and I uh, went there and played phenomenally for like a week straight. Just was like hitting like 375, just playing out of my mind. And then um, the guy got healthy again, and the coach didn't know what to do. And uh, I got to stick around, actually. I didn't I didn't play, but I, I got to ride the – there was like a couple weeks left in the season by the time I was like losing my starting job. And, right. Uh, but it was a great experience. I got to play with like ex-big leaguers on that team, and the, the high of that experience was definitely just – the, the stuff I learned there, like just yeah. from the older players, the mentorship, they were great. And of professional baseball, of being a pro, yeah. right? Yeah. And getting ready to be a pro. Yeah, exactly. I, I was looking at baseball reference and I noticed a name that stuck out to me on that team. Uh, it looks like you played with, and I don't know, maybe this is the guy you're just talking about filling in for, Dan Johnson. Yeah. He has 361 home runs. His 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 story, like 18 seasons, mostly in the minors and foreign, a little bit with Tampa Bay, maybe? In the A's. Tampa Bay? He was, in the A's. Yeah, he was pretty yeah. up there. What? Yeah. So, I mean, what a story. Was that guy full of stories? Oh, yeah. He was awesome. He he was, like, 39 years old, had a, like, wife and kids, and uh, he just loved baseball. And he was one of the best, because he played first base in the big, so he kind of took me under mm-hmm. his wing, and he was just helping me get better. And I would just kind of hang around him pick his brain a little bit. Don't want to get too annoying with that kind of stuff, but just be able to hang around him. And he, he was a, he was a character and just a really great person. He was one of the reasons I decided to stick around because the coach asked me if I wanted to trade with like two weeks left in the season to go play somewhere. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, at this point, like I'm just going to learn from these guys for the last two weeks. And me and him actually drove up to Chicago together for our last road trip. So that was a cool. Oh, really? Yeah. That was a cool little. Could you, could you see yourself playing ball, like, no matter where, just for the love of it, like like Dan has for so long? Just year after year in the minors and, and overseas and, you know, being that guy. I don't know. It's tough to say right now. I think if I had had the success in the, the big leagues and was, like, right. financially stable and that kind of thing, like, because he's, he's fine. He played a long time in the big okay. leagues. Got a good amount of money. But, um... I don't know. I, like just his passion around it was 
awesome. Like he was like definitely obsessed with the game. Like I like playing it and it's a lot of fun, but I don't know. I, I, to be determined, to be determined. Right. I mean, but Dan had the next level passion, which you don't know. You might, that might, yeah, my, usually that, that hits in waves for most mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. You know, it hits in waves and it has to recede. We can't just burn all out for, yeah. you know, 20 years in a row. Yeah. You gotta, gotta back off just a little bit. So that season ended. The next season you were in the Frontier League with the Gateway Grizzlies. Yeah. yeah. So I got traded that off season. In between then, I actually played in Australia for a little bit. That's not on oh, baseball. I missed a team. You played in Australia. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. All right. What was the name of that team? Like the. So. Wait. Well, I played for two teams out there. Um, it was the uh, the Red Sox. Was it was just oh, yeah. It's kind of it was it was Karina Red Sox. That was the, it was out in the Brisbane area. And then this is a name you might like. Uh, I got a little stint with the, in the ABL with the Auckland Tuatara. So, oh, that is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty much like playing in Oakland. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So the Karina Red Sox and the Auckland Tuatara. I'm gonna guess that the high was just being in Australia. Oh yeah, that was an amazing. Just being able to be out there is great. It was great. So when you play in the ABL, does that do anything for you professionally or is it just um, getting the yeah. skills, getting the repetitions? Yeah. So that one is, it's like the big leagues of Australia pretty much. Mm-hmm. I mean, baseball is mm-hmm. really underdeveloped there, but I got a uh, stint there for a series. Like they're having tryouts pretty much and they brought me in and I did pretty well. I went four for five and crushed it and thought I was going to make the team, but there's just a lot of politics in it and ended up didn't make, right. didn't make the team after that series. But, uh, it was a great experience. That was another, another crushing blow. But, uh, so four for five. Yeah. That's 80%, mm-hmm. 80%, 800. That's, that's like a B minus. Yeah. Right. In like, school, you get an 80% on a paper. I understand why they didn't pick you up. Exactly. You know, if you, you need to go five for five. Yeah. <laughs> so you batted 800 and they're like, no, nah, we can do better. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. There is a lot of politics in all of this, and you—that's already evident by your story so far. Mm-hmm. You know. And then, so then you went to the Gateway Grizzlies. Yeah, that was the following season, like the next summer. Okay. So and where's that at? That was in St. Louis. Yeah. So I headed out to St. Louis. That was a fun time. I was definitely that team was really close, especially for a professional team where it's kind of everyone's on your own. It's very individualized compared to college, but that was a lot of fun. I was there for like half the season and then they traded me. So, And they traded you to Southern Illinois? Yes. What's yep. the name of that team? I love the names. Come on, give me something good. Southern Illinois Miners. Eh, yeah. yeah. The more independent leagues are funnier, I guess. Yeah. Well, no, the American Association is a step up from Frontier, right? Is that yeah. how it works? Yeah. So okay. American, yeah. yeah. That's like the older league, like definitely yeah. more established players. All right, Frontier League, if, if any of the marketing people are listening, you know, Grizzlies, Miners, cool, but come on. Gold Eyes, <laughs> Salt, salt dogs. dogs, you know, you guys got to step it up a little bit, all right? Yeah, yeah. So you played with the Miners. I mean, okay, so by this point, you're still like 12 years old or whatever, however you are at this point, like 22 or 24 or whatever. Yeah, I was 22, You've, 23. Yeah, it's 22 Prune Packers, Gold Eyes, Fuego, Salt Dogs, Red Sox, Tuatara, Grizzlies. Now you're on the minors. Are you just, are you numb at all? How does this challenge you, like, in terms of your passion? 
for baseball. Yeah, I think you do have to numb out a little bit. You just have to like keep your head down and really focus on what you can control. Like just going out there and playing every day. And it it's disheartening just jumping around like that cuz you you start develop relationships with guys and it's like the next day they might be cut, you might be traded, you might be cut. Like that's kind of how indie ball works is like it it definitely tough but it's a good life experience because and you all have similar stories right you're all like oh i went here 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 what and you're kind of scoping it out like what's that all about what's that league like you know what's it like yeah. in the abl right so you're sharing your sort of your yeah. uh, journeyman stories exactly and everyone's kind of like in indie ball they're definitely playing it for the right reasons for the most part because mm-hmm. it's a grind and you don't get paid much and uh yeah it's but it's great Okay, so, and then my, my favorite, and I know nothing about it. This is just from my son Justice telling me about it. But it's a favorite because when I was a little kid, uh, we once took a trip to Palm Springs to visit my grandpa. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he just randomly died that night. So it was a great time that we visited him one day later. You know, wow. Would have missed him. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, but the cool part about that drive was the giant Anderson split pea soup sign on the yeah. way there yeah. in Sacramento. Uh, and so that place has always just been special to me. So this past summer, you played for the infamous barnstorming Anderson Pea Soups. Yeah. Am I right? Yes, that is correct. That's the best name. That's even better <laughs> than the Prune yeah. Packers. Yeah. Okay? We're yeah. just saving the best for last or newest. Yeah. The Anderson Pea Soups. What? I mean, what is that? Who is? What are the Anderson that Pea was Soups? A, that was a uh, very funny experience. It was just... Like one of the indie ball coaches, because obviously everything was shut down. Nobody had anything to do. He uh, wanted to make a team and play against, we were playing against pretty much the top college kids, like first rounders, that kind of thing. Everyone that was supposed to be in the Cape Cod league, which is like the best of the best. So it was a bunch of minor league guys, like recently released from, like affiliate teams, that kind of thing. And we lived at the Anderson Pea Soup Hotel in a <laughs> good old uh, Santa Inez. I don't know the t- Solvang. Solvang. That's where it was. Right, like, right. Solvang. Like 45 minutes north of Santa Barbara. And we played this team for like a month straight. And yeah, we just traveled down to Santa Barbara, lived in the hotel at the Anderson Pea Soup. <laughs> and that was, a, that was a fun experience during a lockdown pretty much we had no fans or anything but all right so you played what does that mean that you played them for a month straight we would play them like four days a week probably for a couple weeks yeah it was like the month of july july to end of august or beginning of august so you just basically had a it was like whoever won the most games in a month was the was the winner i mean how did they i mean it was just for scouts honestly like there's okay. just a lot okay. of scouts there and just to get reps and that kind of thing and just see live pitching. Wow. Yeah. What an experience. You're living in Solvang. Yeah. Playing baseball every day. That's not so bad. Did you eat at the restaurant all the time? I actually never went to the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? Live a little. Have some pea soup. I know. I know. I should have had some pea soup. But there's kind of on a budget. We cook for ourselves. And then we uh, yeah. splurge a little bit. There's some nice little town, little, little restaurants in the town there. So. Solvang's a strange place. Solvang is, uh, what is that, um, Danish? Yeah, yeah. There's Settlers, like a... But it's filled with Japanese tourists all the time. 
I can't remember the reason why. I think it's in a there's a movie. Uh-huh. If I remember the story right, and uh, it was it was big in Japan, and so there's Japanese tourists come over by the busloads to for photo ops because <laughs> of this movie. Yeah. Okay, so we just covered a whole bunch of teams. Yeah. That you've played for. Now you're taking a little bit of a break mm-hmm. because COVID, because yeah. everybody's taking a break. Yeah. Right. There's you can't. There's 60 billion kids trying to compete for you know one billion college slots. Yeah. And then all that overflow into a much restricted minor league system. Yeah. There's far fewer draft spots. Yeah. So there's a lot of baseball dreams getting shattered right now. There is. Um, by really competent players, right? Yeah. So how much how much Bitcoin do you own? <laughs> Zero, actually. Oh, Should you don't own any. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I didn't know if you'd put some of your... your, your Baseball mad earnings into Bitcoin. No, well, should have, should have. No, no, no. All right. Okay. So you're going to keep playing baseball then. Yeah. What's next? What's next? Um, yeah. What's next in baseball? In baseball. Okay. Yeah. Um, I am, well, I'm under contract with a team in Chicago. So that's supposed to okay. start up in May. Hopefully everything goes well and vaccines get <laughs> spread what's out. What's the enough. team? What's the league? It is the Frontier League again, and it is the Windy City Thunderbolts. So. All right, that works. Yeah, yeah. Windy City. Windy City is the cool part. Windy City Thunderbolts. There's like yeah. four parts to it. I like that yeah. name. Approved. Okay. Okay, so not everybody in the Frontier League is sucking at the name game. Do you remember that song, The Name Game? Jamie, Jamie, Bobamy, Banana, oh, Banana, yeah, yeah. Bobamy, yep. Me, My, Momamy, Name Game. That. Everybody go look up that song. It's incredible. I think it was like <laughs> from the 60s or 70s. Not embarrassing to sing on the podcast at all. So, baseball is awesome. You love baseball. But you're also a funny dude, and you love comedy, and you study comedy. You have favorite comics, and you, you know, I mean, what would you say? Do, do you have any inkling of, like, doing stand-up? Definitely part of me wants to. I'm trying to figure out whether it's more of a hot. I actually did it one time after I graduated, went to an open mic, and uh, uh-huh. rambled up there for five minutes. It's fun. It's, I mean, who doesn't love comedy? But it's just, I've just always been drawn to it my whole life, and it's just, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's, it might be something I try to pursue might be a little hobby thing, but mm-hmm. who knows? It's up in do the you get area. to the clubs when you're on the road? Do you seek out the comedy clubs and try to go hit them up? Yeah, I, I definitely Auckland? do. <laughs> definitely do. But it's kind of tough with our schedule. Cause it's like, we're playing, we're at the field till like 11 o'clock at night. So it's like, right. And then you got to turn around and get ready for the next day. So it's not the best for going to comedy shows, but I definitely, when I was in Chicago, I went to Second City and checked that out, which is mm-hmm. one of the famous. Classic, yeah. venerable, yeah. Yeah, so I went to so, the show there. You're not on the bus, like, trying out material, though, with all the, your co-players, right? I mean, I had this Honestly, vision of you, being, like, <laughs> being in a locker room. a whole bus, yeah. <laughs> being in a locker room is almost kind of like your own little comedy show. Like, just, you're always kind of, everyone's vying for... Not necessarily attention, but just kind of whatever. There's a lot of crosstalk going on, so it definitely helps to be a comedian in a uh, in a locker room, and that takes on a different. It's a little less formal, obviously, but that's kind of kind of view my time in the locker room as me performing at times. <laughs> who who are your favorite comics out there right now? Not to put you too much on the spot, but just mm-hmm. like some people that you're following. Um, who do you love to watch? Well. I mean, it's easy, but Dave Chappelle, definitely. Like, he's 
Brilliant. That is the right answer. Yeah. That is the right answer. Yeah. There was one right answer, and that was it. You nailed it. All right. There are other acceptable answers. What else you got? Oh, what else? Um, I mean, I was a big fan of George Carlin, or am, am a big uh-huh. fan of George Carlin. Uh, Absolutely. I don't know if the, he's not necessarily stand-up, but this guy Nathan Fielder, he uh, does mm-hmm. a show, Nathan, for you. He's yep. love his comedy. He's uh, funny, dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's very... I like... Tim Heidecker and Eric Warheim, get them out too. Right. All right. Just getting some shout outs yeah. in case they're listening. Yeah. You know, so they could, Heidecker, if you're listening, reach out to Jamie. He'll get yeah. you in. He's probably playing near you because he's going to be on, you know, six or seven teams in the next you know, year. <laughs> yeah. One of them's got to be near y'all. So, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, you wrote a great blog post not too long ago. Mm-hmm. A great one called, I didn't want to be genuine on Instagram, but then I accidentally became a parody of myself. You're a good writer. <laughs> Thank so you. So can you, can you talk a little bit about the feelings behind that post? Because I found that they're super resonant. Really? Yeah, no, I think I just, I definitely have a side of me that kind of like puts on a show, I think. And I think we all do to some extent. I kind of liked playing the little bit of like the oddball antagonist on Instagram and that kind of thing, just putting like a different persona out there, kind of like a parody of myself, like I said in the thing, but uh, yeah, definitely. Which was funny. I yeah. got to say, that's why we're talking about comedy because yeah. you were doing all that. I'm like, this is, this is funny. I yeah. like it. No, I think. Especially for like a baseball guy. Yeah. You have all these assumptions, right? Yeah, Generalizations, exactly. right? Trying to like yeah. play up the stereotypes of that and like the, yeah, I think that was interesting because it taught me to like be able to balance the genuine side of yourself with the act that you kind of portray to other people. And it was definitely a weird kind of a social experiment, if I want to call it that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just, just, it definitely messed with my psyche a little bit or not messed, but rearranged things and caused me to kind of do some more deep reflection and self-evaluation about that. So, yeah, really, it got me thinking about, because most of us do, we have these curated social media yeah. selves, right? Yeah. And they're also often act as, as like protective shells. Yeah. You know, you don't want to put your real self out there nakedly all the time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just not what most of us feel like doing. Uh, although a lot of people put out a version of what seems like an authentic self. Yeah. There's like this practiced authenticity, which is a whole different conversation. But so it felt like when I was reading your blog post, you were poking your turtle head out a little bit from the shell. Yeah. And then you even reference in there, yeah, I'm making this reflection right now, but I'm going right back into the shell. Yeah. I'm going to be right back in there. And that's the kind of like the, um, the, the catch 22 of it all. Admitting that it's, that you're, that it's a shtick. Yeah. But then saying, yeah, but you know, I, doesn't mean I'm going to end the shtick. Yeah, I think the self-awareness is definitely huge, but just making sure you're genuine. If anyone else wants to make a parody of themselves on Instagram, I would just make a point to be genuine in your real life with the close people and uh, <laughs> not just get too caught up in the uh, the excitement yeah. and funness of joking around. <laughs> it's going to be in the show notes because it's really difficult to sort of get across through audio, but Jamie's Instagram is worth a follow. It's at 
son of Roy and Susie, but there's an underscore between each <laughs> word. So <laughs> son easiest. underscore of underscore Roy underscore and underscore Susie, S-U-S-I-E. It'll be in the show notes, but that's where you can find Jamie. And his occasional blogging is at immaturematureguy.blogspot.com. I went to immatureguy.blogspot.com. Oh, yeah? And it was a whole different person. Really? And I was reading it going, is this Jamie? <laughs> okay. That's cool. He came out because <laughs> that's what it was. I'm like, okay. bravo. Who knew? Yeah. yeah. Um, when did you know, this is your leap of faith moment. When you were a kid, when did you know, like, man, I really want to pursue baseball? What was that moment for you? Do you remember? What was the moment for you? It's tough because I think, like, just it was so instilled in me from, like, a young age. Just my grandpa was big into baseball. He did a little bit of semi-pro stuff before he went to World War II, I think. My dad was just a huge A's fan. So, like, it was almost like I just, like, inherited this. It was just, like, innate within me. It wasn't like there was one point where I was like, okay, I'm going to jump headfirst into this. I was blessed to be pretty good growing up my whole life. So it was, like, always mm-hmm. like, a, like, yeah, I want to play in the big leagues. But, like, there was some weight behind it. As a, so I think right. it just, it just, it almost snowballed. Like, it just started small from, like, youngest ages of hitting off like a traffic cone my grandparents backyard to uh yeah getting to where i am now <laughs> so anderson's pea soup anderson pea soup you know, you know from traffic cones big, to pea soup big the, name the baseball journey of jamie smart <laughs> yeah i think i just came up with the title for the uh, podcast there you go that. uh so do you have advice to young kids who want to go pro i mean you know you see different approaches some of them are are you know Growing up in uh, Central America with with broomsticks and rocks and other kids are getting personal trainers, yeah. like from age six, yeah. you know, and, and I see a lot of that, you know, because it's so competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, is that pretty much required in the U.S. to keep up, do you think? I don't know. I, I'd like to think it's not, because personally, I think like the best way to get better at baseball is just by playing it. Like, like just anything, like, I mean, why do you think like Dominican Republic, Venezuela, like those places have way higher like proportion of athletes in the MLB. And it's like, those kids are playing it all the time. Like, yeah, they do have like schools based around baseball and that kind of thing. But you watch those kids, they're just playing with a broomstick and a bottle cap in the streets. And it's like, that's kind of honestly what I did with my friends is like, we just played wiffle ball all the time. I was just always going from game to game. And I did have some personal training. Like I do think personal training can play a role, but mm-hmm. it's, it's tough. Cause there's a lot of people kind of bullshitting you out there, you know, right. and just trying to sell the newest fad. And, uh, <clears throat> it's tough. It's tough for, people in America right now, just because, I mean, with COVID and just there's so many different avenues and people seem to be going down a more like specialized route, but I would say, right. Just play the sport, have fun with it. And like play other sports too, like take an off season because it's not, if, if you love it and you're good enough, you can find a way to get there. Coaches are more and more trying to talk their, their kids in high school out of playing other sports. Yeah. That's a trick. They yeah. don't want you playing basketball and playing baseball. 
right? They want you to specialize. So the pressure is on, pressure is on all over the world to specialize, whether it's yeah. in athletics or your career. You know, we're looking for hyper specialists, which is crazy because it makes you, it's anti-resilient, yeah, right? It, exactly. it gives you another fallback. Specialization is awesome for robots. I don't believe it's great for human beings. No. I can. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Just, just, just my super nice opinion. Yeah. I want to before we get into the uh, your challenge, you're probably gonna laugh. You're like, how did you find that? But I'm gonna get back in the in the super nice way back time machine back to back to 2013. All right. Okay. Doobly, doobly, doobly. That was my sound effect. Interesting. Great. When you, Jamie Smart, won the Lexus of Stevens Creek <laughs> Volunteer Award. Yeah. I mean, you were just a baby. Yeah. But you were building homes in Central America. You were teaching baseball clinics. Yeah. What What was going on? Was that part of a church group? Or is that just something um, your parents do? Or no. How did you become such a stud volunteer, like the original super nice guy? <laughs> yeah. So that, that the high school I went to was very mm-hmm. into giving back and volunteer work and just kind of helping out underprivileged people because we were a very privileged background, but it was just very mm-hmm. holistic. So that was with my high school. We, we had gone, I, that year I'd been to El Salvador and we helped like teach kids a little bit and that kind of thing. And then for junior and senior year of high school, we had to do like 40 hours of community service and usually mm-hmm. kids would do like a, uh, like serious project. So that year I went to Tijuana. I, I was close with my Spanish teacher and he had some contacts down there and we pretty much organized it with their local little leagues. Me and one of my friends across the country, we did a, a gear like fundraiser where we just brought a bunch of baseball gear down and we did like three days of clinics for the local, like just youth and whoever wanted to come out at mm-hmm. their fields. And that was just, that was a really fun experience just being that young and being able to get to see that part of life and give back and like that. So Right. And then you were on TV. I watched the video. I watched the the, yeah. uh, the little news segment. Yeah. The uh, Lexus Stevens Creek Volunteer Award. Uh-huh. So eight years later, let me say to you, Jamie, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> on, on picking that up. You know? <laughs> <Thank> uh, <laughs> yeah. When you when you're hoisting the uh, AL MVP award as a future Oakland A, yeah. may you look back on Lexus of Stevens Creek yeah. is where it all really started. That's the starting you point. You know, yeah, it's exactly. starting point. Yeah, from there to pea soups to mm-hmm. you know MVP. Yeah. All right. So each guest gets to issue a challenge to the members of the Super Nice Club, something that they can do to just make their world a little better or the world around them a little nicer. Do you have something you can throw out there? Yeah. I do. I, uh, a challenge I'll do it myself too, is reach out to someone you haven't talked to in a while and just genuinely check in with them, whether it's a friend or family member or that kind of thing. Cause I think it's easy to get like stuck in our bubbles or our holes, especially nowadays. And I know I'm guilty of it too. So any challenge to just reach out to someone and just see how they're doing because it's a tough time for everyone right now. So. All right, we're going to do it. Challenge accepted. So open your phone, everybody, and just do a mass text to everybody in your phone and say, hey, been thinking about you as an individual. No, I would say someone, you know, phone call. To me. Phone call. We're doing the old fashioned okay. style. All right, phone call. All right, got it. I so love that. I so appreciate the phone call over the text. Yeah. There's real human connection, especially during COVID. 
So yeah, yeah. I'll make a phone call, everybody. Make a phone call to somebody that you haven't been in touch with in a long time for no reason except just to say hi, because that's how we used to do it. That's what phones used to be for. They used to be just no reasons. So let's let's stay back in the time machine and make some some super nice phone calls. All right, challenge accepted, Jamie. And then last and least, do you have a question for me? You get to be the host now. You get to ask me any question you want. Okay. What is what's been your most memorable experience through doing this podcast? Like just where you were like, hmm, I'm very glad I chose to go on this route at doing this podcast. Hmm. That's a great question. I don't know if there's been a singular moment. It's been more as time goes on and I uh obviously no matter what you're pursuing, it's feedback that really makes something valuable, right? Um, because then you realize that other people are paying attention. Whether the feedback is positive or negative, feedback helps you get better, right? So getting the feedback, and in the early days, it was very mixed, you know, and slowly improving. Getting the feedback, getting people who message me or call or text and say, hey, I listened to this episode and so-and-so said such-and-such and and it meant a lot to me. It's what I needed to hear at that time. That's been the best stuff. It's like knowing that you're helping deliver a message to someone and it positively impacts them. You know, that's been great. I can't think of a specific instance right now Mm -hmm. um, of that, but I've had a few where the guests brighten somebody's day. I would imagine that for this episode, of the talk about anxiety, whether or not you're an athlete, just in a time where so many people are facing so many different challenges because of COVID, anxiety is something that uh, almost all of us have experienced to some degree or another. Yeah. I remember having this conversation a couple of months ago with someone going, man, I, uh, I, I'm feeling kind of this weird daily background anxiety and I don't know if I've ever felt it before. I mean, COVID has introduced me sort of to the concept of anxiety in a way that I never really knew, right? Yeah. Um, well, as, as just sort of, a, as sort of a, I've had anxious moments, we all have. Yeah. But in terms of like a chronic yeah. level of it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, no, COVID has, has given me a dose of chronic anxiety. Uh, so your conversation about that earlier mm-hmm. will, will resonate with someone. You know, it will. Oh. Um, that's been what is been so great about it. That and then making friends. Mm -hmm. You know, the podcast has existed pretty much entirely during COVID. Okay. And so we're not out there meeting people in real life. Mm -hmm. And when you talk with someone for an hour and you have some talk before the show and after, you know, exchange messages and things like that, sometimes you're like, oh, I kind of made a new friend. Right. And at this point in life, making new friends is, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't make friends yeah. like you did when you were nine or 10. You go to a new school, you have 30 new friends right away. Yeah. Now it's a harder thing to do. And when you're having a podcast, like anybody out there, I recommend just start. There's a billions of podcasts out there. There's millions. Start one. Mm-hmm. You know, start one just to talk to people and then have your friends on. Yeah. Who cares what the topic is? It's, it's a great way to connect with another human being in a meaningful way which there seem to be fewer and fewer opportunities to do that during this little, you know, hiccup that we're going through as a species. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, the connection of it for me and the connection of it for other people out there. 
my answers to the questions from the guests, mm-hmm. I always ramble. So I apologize, <laughs> listeners. I am really consciously working on being more concise. But I also, you know, you're just riffing it. Yeah. You're not prepared for it at all. So yeah. it's kind of winging it. And so I tend to I tend to ramble when I'm winging it. But thanks for the question. It was a good one. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And Jamie, I look forward to your Chicago. When is When does your Chicago season start? With the Windy uh, City Fart Catchers or whatever it was. <laughs> Thunderbolts. We're, uh, Thunderbolt. Ah, hey, come on. Is there enough. a difference? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, report for us is May 11th, so the season will May probably 11th. start like two weeks after that. So we'll, right. we'll be doing spring training stuff before then. But uh, where Where's the field? Do you know what part of uh, It's Chicago? around Orland Park. It's like 40 minutes, like 30, 40 minutes south of Chicago. Like the, All right. So it, if you're a Chicago area listener and you're a member of the Super Nice Club, and you attend one of Jamie's games, and you send me a photo of Jamie, I will send you a Super Nice Club hat. Offer is good for the first three. Three Super Nice Club hats going out <laughs> to the first three club members. I mean, you could totally rig this, Jamie. Yeah. You get that, right? You could just tell three of your friends, like, exactly. bro, click like on Instagram. We'll get you free hat. <laughs> Whatever. I don't care. Um, uh, Chicago's an important market, you know, so it'd yeah. be, it's it's a good marketing expense. There you go. Uh, take a picture of Jamie. Go to the game of the Thunderbolt, and uh, we'll send you some swag. All right, everybody? Jamie, appreciate you. Have for a long time. Appreciate all that you've uh taught justice you know having you around really helped his baseball passion so thanks for that and thanks for sharing your your story with us today of course me of course at least thank you thank you all right man i'll see you i'll see you out there at one of your games it'll happen all righty i'm waiting for it (laughs) okay there you have it a super nice conversation with the super nice super skilled super funny super handsome just all around superstar Am I buttering you up enough, Jamie? Uh, Jamie's smart. Yeah, Jamie's Jamie's a wonder. Jamie's obviously talented and, and intelligent, uh, but also just in touch, you know, in touch with himself and not afraid, not afraid to uh, be naked in, in, in so many ways. And I love that. I hope that, that you love that. I hope you, if you know someone in your life who is struggling with uh, anxiety, especially athletes. God, there's so many athletes that that are going through this. Share this episode with them. You know, might might do them some good to know that uh, that this is just such a normalized topic now, right? That they can talk about it. Uh, also, also remember there is a uh, contest built into this episode. Yeah, um, which maybe I haven't mentioned yet. Maybe I haven't mentioned the contest. Have I mentioned the contest? I don't know. Okay, so here's the contest. Baseball, your favorite baseball moment, your favorite baseball team, uh, maybe your favorite baseball. You have an autographed one. Post something up about baseball on your social media feeds and tag Super Nice Club. Uh, We will draw a couple winners, give away some cool stuff. What that cool stuff is, I don't know, because I've got some uh, some new goodies coming in the mail. I'm not sure if they'll be here in time, so I don't want to promise them. Anyway, baseball-related posts, tag Super Nice Club, you'll be entered to win. All right? Cool. Everybody, this week, next week, the rest of your lives, stay nice. Talk to you next week. That was a little repetitive. I said week too many times. No, you get it. It's cool. All right.
wanted to be nicer, then you could lend a helping hand. If you wanted to be nicer, then you could see your neighbor's band. If you wanted to be nicer, then you could put away your clothes. If you wanted to be nicer, you can teach everything you know. And all we ask is that you just become 10% more nice. That you just become ten percent more nice, and all we ask is that you just become ten percent more nice, and all we ask is that you just become ten percent more nice. So what? Big deal.